0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into Organon, the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data, insights, and change. According to a New York Times article published this month, following the violent protests that erupted in Charlottesville, Virginia, statues around the country, which represent eras of the Confederacy, have been coming down. From Los Angeles to Brooklyn, monuments and statues have come down, with many other cities proposing removal of theirs. On today's episode, we discuss the implications and social significance of the removal of monuments. Present today to discuss this topic from New York City, we have myself, Carl Letamendi.
1: And Jasmine Letamendi.
0: And recording from LA, we have.
2: Hey there, Kissy Shop. And.
3: And Courtney Hirose.
0: Courtney, welcome back. Take it away. Thanks.
3: Hey. Um, so. Just understanding kind of what statues represent overall, I feel like just if you think about it, it's what the cultures value and what's important to them at the time they're erected. So if you go across even outside of the United States when statues from like Lenin were pulled down or even Saddam Hussein, it kind of shows a shift in power because realistically only only the winners write history books, um, just as a common saying that I've heard. So I think just the pulling down of the statues from the Confederate soldiers are more of a reflection of that, how times are changing and how the culture shift of America's where those values aren't necessarily important anymore, or those shouldn't be something in view where everyone drives by and they see it. Casey, what do you think?
2: So I came across a 2015, um, article about Hillary Clinton, um, in the atlantic and it was basically asked this reporter asked her about the black lives matter you guys remember that moment um Mm -hmm. and how um one of the reporters was asking hillary clinton whether or not how she would change social progress and this is what is this essentially what she says i don't believe you uh, i don't believe you change hearts i believe you change laws You change allocation of resources. You change the way the systems operate. You're not going to change every heart. You're not. But at the end of the day, we can do a whole lot to change some hearts and change some system and create more opportunities for people who deserve to handle them. And the more I think about social progress in just the United States, so we could be completely wrong, but I always notice that it's always the laws that go first and then the hearts that come second. And it's always people's hearts, always lagging behind. So, in my argument, I would say that removing the the statues, even though their significance are actually relevant, because it's 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 the first step to changing people's hearts. <laughs> so that's why so when you
0: so you said something interesting. You said the law comes first, and then your heart follows. Is that
2: what you said? Well, you well because uh, this is. I forgot the name of the theory, but there's a theory about adapting to new, like a new something. Like um, <clears throat> if you have a product that comes out, there's going to be initial people, early adopters, as they call it. You know, like the first, like less than, you know, 10, 10 5, 10 percent of people who will go for it. Like they're always the first one to to do it. And then you have the next wave of about 20, 30 percent of people who grab on. And after certain threats hold, the whole society just jumps on the bandwagon. So this is, you can see the movement for how so sort of Facebook was became popular. You know, initially people were like, eh, and I'm not so sure. And then slowly more and more people got on to the point where now where everyone is, is has a Facebook user, has a Facebook account. And the same with Twitter. And I feel like with progress, that's how it should, that's how it's happening too. And I, I, the law is maybe the initial step. Um, obviously there's going to be people who won't, there's a lot of people who disagree with it, but I think it's the law that really pushed people to change. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: What do you think? I think you're going to disagree with the argument. Me? You thought I was going to disagree with it? No, because the way you framed it, like you're going to (laughs) disagree, but what are your thoughts? It's not like I came at you like, oh yeah, Casey, (laughs) I've got some questions for you.
0: Um no <laughs> follow up questions. So, uh I I'm glad that we're talking about this because actually Jazz and I had a chance to go to Governors Island which is in New York. It's only open in the summers. It's a free ferry. It's nice. It's a nice it, it used to be a, a military base. It was the it, at one point it was the largest Coast Guard base in the world. And um it's a pretty decent sized um island. They have a couple of forts there. Um, and they have history of like how they were protecting it back in the early eighteen hundreds, and the and and its role in the late seventeen hundreds and whatnot. I didn't. I don't remember seeing any statues there. Now that's important because these day, like nowadays, we we have people who are petitioning to not tear down the statues because of their historical significance, despite whatever wrongdoings the person may have done in their time but coming back to the governor's island story for a second we we walked into one of those one of the forts and at one point it was a a training station for for military men for example and we saw that um at one point that half of the military of, of that came from new york were immigrants and we were like oh wow that was pretty impressive and we learned about that we always learn a, a, a little bit when we go to these kind of trips and whatnot but um what i was thinking is at that moment when i was there is like you know this in this um in this fort maybe there are some bad things that took place for example like you know like how some people are, are talking about like guantanamo for example as a structure that bad things happened there so what if at one point people are like oh let's tear down this structure because we didn't agree with it um and then i started thinking about like for example uh during the holocaust we still have monuments up um like uh the um concentration camps and people go and they take tours of of the of um of the concentration camp and whatnot and but then at that moment like i kind of i kind of thought i kind of grouped monuments and um like Castles and camps and, and these like historical buildings in one category. And then I was like, you know, maybe when societies decide that they don't want a statue anymore and they decide to bring it down, that represents something other than, um, than them trying to erase history. It's, it's kind of like them deciding that they're demanding change in a way, right? So that's kind of like the moment and th- that I, decided that maybe the the statues and the the structures are two completely different things and they represent two completely different things but it's interesting to look at the argument and see how you have two groups of people people who want to take the monuments down and then others who say no keep them up because it's history so in other words you think i'm right correct (laughs) (laughs) yes and i said that all in 130 characters or less right
3: (laughs) no but i think i think the distinction to your point carl is very important because you don't want to like destroy history but you want because statues are more of a extra thing that happened later on to memorialize certain people and their values versus like the camps and whatnot they're more as a reminder of what we shouldn't be doing moving forward and it's all about how you tell the story of that event or that action or whatever happened during that time and that's kind of how in terms of the I guess the purpose of each is delineated kind of in my mind
0: right
1: yeah what about you Jasmine? For me, and I'm looking at this more in a theory perspective, so semiotics, when we're, the definition of semiotics is the relationship between a sign, an object, and a meaning. So we are looking at objects all the time, and these statues or monuments or buildings, they represent something to either an individual or a a collective group which is society or what the media portrays and one of the things that's important to identify is like i was reading this recently and it was talking about uh, the confederate flag and so additionally the confederate flag it was for many people from the south it represented um strength in what you know the the war um, the soldiers that fought for what they believed in against the North. And for them, like the flag was representative strength. But now if we're looking at theory and we're looking at semiotics, you know, the there's perceptions there that now have changed. And so people are now becoming aware, looking at a certain object, for example, like this flag and seeing that, you know, the, it represents something else than what it used to represent. And depending on the person. So then that's when manipulation can happen as well. So we can also manipulate um, the way that we look at something. What are your thoughts, Carl?
0: Well, I mean, that definitely the, the symbolism is, is very important because, I mean, a, a flag is a flag, and I'm just waving here like the little Colombian flag. You all see that? <laughs> flag is a flag, but... It's all about the meaning that goes into it, and humans have always been meaning makers. And they they create, they put value into something, and that's where it starts to to develop value. I, I think, think a, there's...
3: Sorry, go ahead, Casey. Go, you go. I think just to add the point before we move on is, like, an example of that is during World War II. So nowadays, you see Japan's flag as kind of the red sun. Mm -hmm. But during the war, there was a red sun with the light beams coming out. And that was the sign of their military and just the empowerment of that country overall. But then when World War II ended and they lost the war, they weren't allowed to use that flag anymore. So that flag is more of like a warrior symbol that was kind of taken away from the country and moved forward because it symbolized what they were representing at that time. So it just shows, kind of goes to show the emphasis of how people value these type of symbols in terms of the power they bring behind it where people in order to have more control will take it away.
2: And also think like the Nazi symbol, that would use that came from I didn't say Spain or Portugal and that was for like that wasn't what the intention with the Nazi claimed it. But now when we see the Nazi symbol, you know, it, we think of genocide and destruction and evil and hate. So and I don't think Anyone in the world would, I mean, reasonable people will put a Nazi symbol and think that people will be okay with it, you know? So I think in that regard, symbols does have a big meaning. But the thing is, um, I think there's a difference between having a monument like an Auschwitz camp and where people come and learn versus putting something up that had like a a dark historical past in our our society but you know even today's meaning of the monument that has shifted too for for now the all the uh confederate monuments it's the people who want to stand are not you know people who care about you know freedom of you know respecting different people of different culture you know respecting african-american culture you know they at least are one of the most vocal they want to go back to the old ways where there was only one group of people controlling the rest of society where you know women are regulated i mean it's just it's the very sexist homophobic you know racist just this that that's not okay i i mean i just don't think in this kind of society, we should not let the few control the ma- majority. That's not how it works. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm. Right. Well, I guess the the Confederate statues have not, there obviously have not been the first statues that have been removed or you, it, it, or the only category. There's also been other people aside from political figures who have also had their statues removed. And I came across an article on Ranker.com, which identifies some of these statues that have come down, and um, one of them doesn't even have anything to do with government or power. You guys ready to hear them?
1: The
0: famous. Oh yeah, Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: had a statue. He
0: had a, he had a bust. <laughs> yeah, he actually had a bust uh, that was. Um, it says here after news broke out that Cosby ad- was admitted in court at this disposition to obtain drugs with, with which to rape women. Walt Disney World responded to a circulating petition and removed the bust of the comic from their Hollywood Studios theme park.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I didn't know he qualified enough to have a statue. What but he, okay.
0: What was he doing <laughs> in Walt Disney World? What's going on, California? <laughs>
3: Well, Disney oh, World no. is in Florida. It's in Florida. Wait, but it says That's Hollywood. what? What's go? What's going? No, because there's a Hollywood <laughs> Studios in Florida. So back at you. Linda, well, back, in <laughs> and,
0: well, back at you because Disney Disney headquarters is in California, right?
3: right? <laughs> That's is <true>. it? Fine. <coughs> <coughs>
0: yep. All right. Um, another one. Joe Paterno. Remember him?
2: no is, the, he the is he the
0: penn state coach the, the, or the, penn, st- the the yeah oh penn, penn state oh. uh after the Penn state sex uh, abuse scandal there there was a seven foot bronze statue of him that was taken down I didn't even know he was seven feet tall he doesn't look that tall wow mm-hmm. maybe
3: the statue was just seven feet maybe it was like three feet of like <laughs> pedestal
0: <laughs> yeah it, well he didn't have a pedestal but they do look like they're pretty big shoes <laughs> Other than him, uh, of course, J- Stalin, that was a, a, a political figure. You have Stalin, you had Lenin, Saddam Hussein. Um, and you have a, a there was also not not a statue, but kind of like a, a portrait uh, from former Maryland Governor uh, Spiro Agnew. Uh, he was uh, taken out because of an uh, he, res- he resigned because of tax evasion. Can't do that. And the last one that they removed that that I wanted to share from this article was from Michael Jackson. Really? Yeah. He also, I don't know what's up with seven-foot feet statues, but he also had a seven-foot statue, um, (laughs) and it it was removed. In 2011, the King of Pop inexplicably had a memorial statue raised at Craven Cottage, the stadium where English soccer player team Fulham plays. The seven-foot-tall plaster and resin monument was put up by the club's owner, Mohamed Al-Fayed, who had it made for the famed department
2: store Harrods. I think there's a a difference between moving statues of Bill Cosby and the confederate statues um, that we're contesting over. When you remove a person, Mm -hmm. you attribute their responsibilities, their fault as their disposition. So, so we all agree that Bill Cosby's statue should be removed because he did something that was atrocious to women, you know allegedly right um <clears throat> did, did or, you vote
1: though do you agree because you voted or it was a vote among people that had that signed that petition to do what to remove the statues?
0: I don't know, I think they just they just removed it because of the um the allegations and the scandal mm-hmm. But then right. the confederate for the confederate thing, like we know that these are facts that these people did these things.
2: Even though the people, I think it's an ideology. That's why people are contesting because they're not. They don't really care what the leaders are doing because they could say, "Oh, they're a product at that time." I mean, back in the days, people owned slaves. You know, and you have to look at people with context. <clears throat> for them, it's more of an ideology. You're removing what our meaning, our sense of being American, our history of people who fought, you know people who were brave people who, you know fought for states' rights and all this stuff so I think that's a larger entrenched value that people are trying to maybe contest because it's not about the person it's de-individualized de- into ideologies and you can't beat ideologies mm-hmm. you can't smash it <clears throat>
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. ideologies are really hard to to Well, combine. that's the
1: discourse about you know we're looking at things and how we, how we can interpret them because we we have one way of looking at something and then we we also get triggered by an incident that happens.
0: Well, we've also had some friends that are from New York and they go to Florida, or maybe for the first time to like Orlando, and they get surprised that there's like so many Confederate flags flying around. And for us, it was like super normal because. Mm-hmm. we grew up there
2: yeah casey you live there right
0: have you been to well florida? not in
2: southern florida i mean in northern florida yeah i just, God, we've, I, seen I, I just yeah. Yeah, we've seen it in south florida
0: too
1: yeah we see seen in south florida by the everglades
0: yeah oh <clears throat> but for, yeah but, for, I mean, but going back to the symbolism component of it there's a lot of people who like look at the flag and they're like oh this represents me and my heritage and who my grandfather." And his grandfather used, were, this is my lineage. So, it's like, what do you think goes through their minds when they see, like, I don't know, like, people maybe, like, stomping or burning the flag, for example. Like, for for that person in in their mind, like, what do you think is going through it? You mean the American flag or the Confederate flag? The
2: Confederate flag. I think this we're going through a sociological shift a s- societal shift from no go ahead Casey. oh oh i think uh, i think we're going through societal shift um i it, it's i don't remember a while ago we were talking about how th- we were looking at the election and why trying to understand why people vote for Trump, like, what was the backing? And I think, remember, in the conversation, we were talking about how it's the people who are feeling disenfranchised, who are left behind, people who didn't get a college degree, who are the byproduct of a global economy. And also, white men, uneducated, are killing themselves from, you know, alcohol poisoning and drug abuse and, you know, deaths that are self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. So I I think all these are connected, and I I think it's it's trying to reclaim that something you think you had in the past. Looking at the fasting saying, "Hey, look how great we had it when we were on top, and now we have all these Asians and Blacks and foreigners coming in and taking advantage of place where we should be." And I think there's a fear. Um, I think that plays a role into it too. Mm-hmm. Fear man i sound I think this is very unpopular of my point, but that's what do you guys think uh, am I wrong in saying this? I mean
1: no, I mean you have everybody you know we have perspectives and you there's different ways that people interpret things, so we we all represent different views or how you look at an object or a certain thing or experience something you know nobody can take that away from you
0: mhm-. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I saw a comedian a, a long time ago who was making fun of Hawaii, like talking about, I don't remember the name of the comedian, but I was, and I'm not, like, I wasn't like a huge fan of the, of the guy anyway, but he was recalling his, a trip to Hawaii and visiting the Pearl Harbor monument. And uh-huh. he, he said that he saw a whole bunch of Japanese people there. And then he was like, <gasps> You guys need to get out, and then that was like the funny part because for him it was like, oh, you all, all you Japanese people, try to blow up Pearl Harbor, get out of here, and it just, it kind of like you, you know, for for him and like obviously that was like a joke, and I hope this comedian didn't mean that, but for the comedian in the stance that they were trying to take in the role that they were depicting in in the comedy skit was that they were on on the side of like anti this one group of people, right? Japanese people. But then for those like people who were actually visiting there, who didn't have, they weren't there. They didn't live um, through Pearl Harbor. They just came to visit the memorial and to, to check it out. They were not thinking that, you know, they weren't probably not even thinking anything of it, but they were recalling something that that happens, kind of like phenomenology a little bit.
3: Mm -hmm. I think it's a little a little different because I well I went to Pearl Harbor too when I was a little kid because I was kind of really a big history nerd and I really wanted to see all the sites and I was there with my dad and we were reading through all the articles and like there was a whole bunch of like articles about how about the anti-Japanese movement and the concentration camps and all that stuff and it was kind of it was a little overwhelming being a Japanese American being there and then you can see there and We're there like just every other American and then there's a father talking to his son and you can tell he's about to go on a rant about just the Japanese nationality overall because that's how you characterize it when you're talking about like one war versus another and we both kind of looked over at us and he awkwardly stared back at us and it was kind of like this weird tension movement that as a kid it's hard for you to understand but as an adult it kind of resonates a little more that you feel slightly unwelcome in a country that you're born in just because of the symbolism of what is being presented. And it, of course, Mm -hmm. is all for education. And I feel like that education is extremely important. But I think it's also important that both sides get to understand, like, the real impact of these things. Because it really affects, without that understanding, there's not going to be any tolerance. And without tolerance, then there's no movement forward.
0: Right. Right mm-hmm then do you do you think that for for younger children now who grew up seeing their parents wave the confederate flag that they might also feel the same way maybe a little bit because they're can... because they're because they have this this group of people who look at them and say oh you guys are racist because you fly that flag
3: yeah i can see that that's why when you you made that point it kind of hit home a little bit because I have a lot of pride in my family just from personal experience and then if suddenly my family represented something that the whole like my society or the society wasn't generally okay with and it wasn't necessarily anything my family did in particular but it was the symbol that my family was associated with I would have a really hard time kind of disassociating myself with that if I grew up with it and I wasn't let's say a racist from the beginning or I I have like different cultured friends and they speak different languages and stuff. And to be put into that bucket, I can see how that's disheartening. um, Just if you're to look at it from the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think it's a shift that needs to happen, but I can see how there's going to be a struggle in terms of a processing period.
0: Right. And I think that a lot of social issues stem because nobody, Nobody really sits down and takes a moment to listen to the other side also. I think that we just come with our, with our values and perceptions about what, what is right and what we think is the, the right thing to do and what the world should look like without taking a moment to listen to the other side. And I think that's when we start to conflict and th- that clash of values and, and ethics, I think, doesn't get think, communicated well.
2: What is that saying? The victor-right history, you know, yeah. to the to to the victor goes the spoil. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. So if you have the argument, you, you I think maybe the base of our argument here is that everybody's beliefs are equal and we should equally value everyone's beliefs. But I think the reality is that not everyone's beliefs are equal. Some people have racist views and they can't be tolerated. And, you know, and they lost. Their party lost. <clears throat> if Hitler won... We would have a different conversation right now, right. but he didn't. You know the and um, you know, and the thing is, the reality is, people who have hateful beliefs or beliefs that are the antithesis to to what we value today, I don't see any. Pro- I don't see. I don't feel sorry for them. I don't see anything. I, I don't see why we should try to incorporate, try to understand the p- perspective. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, this to me feels clear cut
3: i feel like casey's point is applicable to general society i think carl what we're like what you were talking about is under the assumption that everyone's going to be rational in terms of having a conversation and a dialogue when realistically people get heated and not Mm -hmm. everyone can kind of keep their ground and have like a heart-to-heart conversation with someone that they just to the bone disagree with because they can't get beyond the views and see the person they just kind of see the views and that's what it is so it's Then it becomes what Casey's talking about, a battle of who's to be heard and what's actually right and the belief of the society um, in terms of what everyone's holding dear to their heart and what's right, quote unquote, moving forward.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of times I've been in a couple situations where people have talked about like religion and politics and they want to know my my perspective. And I'm like, there's two things that I don't talk about. It's that. Religion and politics, because we're not gonna be exactly on the same page, and you can just avoid a a, a whole situation. Because, like you said, Courtney, people come to the to the conversation heated already, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Jasmine? I mean, I definitely don't talk religion to my mom because she's more religious than I am so we've made an agreement that we don't talk about religion at all (laughs) and and that's with family but just overall I think there's certain things that you can share and it depends on what kind of space you're in so if I'm at work I'm not going to talk about you know different politics or certain things but I'm not also going to be shy to Talk to students or make it like an educational moment because I'm, I work, I have the privilege of working in a space that is scholarly. Um, and that's what the academy does. It allows you to have these conversations with your students or colleagues, um, the, you know, and, and embrace them and, and think differently. And obviously, like, knowing, you know, to, to be, to be constructive, but not be abrasive or anything like that when, when you're having these dialogues as well, when there's a space. Um, and these, and for me, it's important coming from a conflict resolution perspective that if we are going to have this dialogue that can be emotionally charged, we have ground rules and that it's facilitated because that's how you have these, you know, these dialogues and they can go smoother versus just, you know, having an outpour of all these emotions where it could turn, um, you know, a little wild and you don't want that to happen. So, as an educator, you use those tool sets to make sure that you create this space.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, and uh, we are now at the 30 minute mark of our show, so if it's okay with. The team. Can we move on to the bottom line?
1: Yes. Let's do
3: it.
0: Shap. <laughs>
3: yeah? Shap is serious. I think he yep, was coughing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> was some...
0: You need some cough drops? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. So move.
0: even though we didn't really pose a research question on today's show, we did we are talking right now about monuments and statues in particular and how after what happened in, in um, Charlottesville, the the statues have, have gotten a lot more attention and now they're starting to come down. So the question that I want to pose to all of you uh, for the bottom line is, for the removal of statues that represent negative or hateful things, should we continue to take them down, yes or no, and why?
1: Jasmine? I'd say that we should still keep them. And if we remove them, it, I think there should be a vote by, you know, depending on there should be a committees involved and everything. But if we if they are if we are removing them, then we should create like a museum or something where it's like, you know, where all the removal of all these statues are that can symbolize like what's going on now because if we're looking at it in a pop culture perspective.
0: Mhm. Casey um, I'm looking for a cool quote, so pass for now. Okay, Courtney, He's looking for a Buddha quote.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say yes because statues are representative kind of what your society is representative of and it's if it's a hateful or to your po- or violent statue based on the question, I would say that's not what I would want my society to be represented for, but to kind of compromise, I think as long as there's an educational piece around it per Jasmine's point, I think then it's fine as long as there's some context. Because statues, just as a viewing point, is just an idol that people can see and praise and just hold hold without any context but their own. So I think it's important to put it into perspective if we were to keep things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. And now I'll, I'll go next so Casey can formulate his quote. <laughs> um I I I actually agree with with both Jasmine and Courtney because I I actually am for removing of any monuments or or statues that represent hate or or evil or suffering etc and, and that do not comply with what is contemporary social acceptance but at the same time I think that they should be Removed in uh, in a manner where maybe like a leader or like I think it really has to be some a representative from the government of the state or from the city standing like in front of the in front of the the, the statue saying, you know, we the city of blah, 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 are here by removing this statue because it represents blah, 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 blah because this person did blah 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 like you know kind of like they're sentencing the statue to death in a very legal in a public manner where they're they they kind of like explain to the public why it's being removed um and and after having already had like like dialogue and and whatnot and i like the the museum idea also because there's also museums out there that 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 um not they don't like commemorate because I feel like that's what that's what uh statues are. They commemorate and they memorialize, right? You don't have a, a statue of a giant evil person in the middle of a park, but they do have museums that discuss what atrocities people have done. And I think that's something that should be there so that it doesn't get erased in time, because I think we do have to remember The good things that happen and the bad things that happen so we know um, how we got to where we are today. Um, So that's that's my answer. Casey.
2: Yeah, no, you make a point, Carl. Hey, we don't have statues of Hitler, but we have lots of, you know, museums about the impact of what he did and how we can avoid it. And I think we can still have a museum of, you know, the South and the struggle and history, and we should never erase that. But I think monuments are different. They have a different tonality. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to finish with two quotes from politicians about the importance of removing this monument. <clears throat> One of them says, if we cannot now end our differences, at least we can help make the world safer for diversity. John F. Kennedy. <clears throat> and the second one from an older politician, he says, the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph, Thomas Paine. And I think this is, it's good to have a conflict like this because we're in a pivotal history in our society where we decide what we want to do with it. Are we going to embrace, you know, um, the ever changing society and grow and become even stronger? Or are we going to hold back and try to relive our past? Um, and this is a this is a conflict between two v- worldviews of completely different people from from ideological, you know, compl- uh, I ide- don't ide- from ideological differences. And it's important to have these conversations.
0: Deep, Casey. Bam, bam. Thanks for ending the episode with the bank, Casey, as always. And this has definitely been a wonderful discussion. And now we turn to our listeners. What do you think? Should we continue to remove statues that are representative of hate and suffering? Is there any recommendations that you would have on how to properly remove them or what to do with the structures afterwards? Make sure to send us your thoughts uh, and also any topics you'd like to hear on the show to info at and also make sure to check us out on Twitter at ologyresearch. Have a great week.